The following program is a presentation of Grace Communion International and Grace Communion Seminary and is made possible by generous donations from viewers like you. On this episode of You're Included, theologian Dr. Gary Detto brings new perspective to the popular saying, What Would Jesus Do? Our host is Dr. Michael Morrison. Dr. Netto, you've spent a lot of your life studying theology. What prompted or motivated you to go into that? Well, I actually started out with an interest in biblical studies, actually. And when I was at Fuller Seminary, most of my classes were biblical studies. And the closest I got to theology was studying with George Ladd and his biblical uh, theology. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but I think a lot of people don't know the difference between biblical studies and theology. They think they're the same. Uh, could you explain the difference between those two? I think there is a difference, but they're certainly connected. Theology is grounded in the biblical revelation. But theology attempts to address uh, questions and to pull the whole counsel of God together and see what does it add up to when you put the whole counsel together. Uh, biblical studies tends to look at parts um, but theology is synthetic and, tr- and trying to bring all the strands together and sometimes uh, address questions or uh, find understanding uh, that no one particular verse or passage in the Bible speaks to and yet uh, the whole might contribute to. And this is part of my uh, own journey is that re- realizing what I was really interested in is asking questions and hearing about, well, who is then the God of the Bible in total? Is it all as it? What's the whole picture? And also, uh, theology is to help us figure out what words, concepts, images, analogies, narratives we can use today to faithfully point to the same reality that the scriptures normatively uh, point to. So we're trying to give uh, our own words and concepts you have to think a little bit about how people around you are thinking, what words and concepts and experiences they have, not to conform our theology to them, but to be aware of how can I best explain and help people understand the truth of the gospel uh, today. So uh, my shift, I didn't leave Scripture behind by any means, but pressed on to try to ask, what does it all add up to so that I might uh, have a faithful witness today uh, is really part of what it took me there. Uh, another part was, though, that um, I think because many of the pieces that I had gathered together over the years uh, really wasn't preventing me from going into and towards a, a terrible burnout in Christian ministry. And it was because of that that I went back to Scripture, but to ask the question, how does one really live the Christian life or participate and, and get involved in Christian ministry? Because what was going on with me is, you know, Christ uh, loved me, Christ forgave me, Christ saved me. But pretty much then, after that, I had to somehow figure out how to do his ministry. And that was really putting me down a path of just spiritual burnout. And that's really the final thing that led me uh, back to try to say, let's look at this whole thing once again. So your emphasis was on doing and doing and doing. and. But how did your understanding of God affect what you did? Well, a lot of what I discovered in pressing into this uh, question 
<clears throat> about who God was is that I was a lot like Peter, having the names and labels for God right, but that really wasn't adding up to a proper and deeper, very profound understanding of who God is. So as you recall, uh, Peter knows that Jesus is the Christ. But then uh, when Jesus goes on to tell them and explain to them what that meant, he's the Christ, he's the one that's going to be rejected and suffered and then raised again three days later, Peter repudiates that. Well, what that indicates is Peter had the right label, but he didn't have a proper understanding of what the label meant, who Jesus really was. So Jesus has to stop him in his tracks and say, no, I'll tell you what the Messiah is. It's not just exactly what you think. So right label, not much content. Similarly, uh, I think a lot of times we settle for simple descriptions and words you know, that point to God, but we don't really know very much about what they mean, what they signify. So theology is the attempt to go deep into the meaning. It is faith-seeking understanding. The meaning of these words and the doctrines that summarize these meanings. Um, so I discovered, even though I'd uh, been following Christ for many years, that my understanding were, were uh, superficial. So theology is the discipline, the spiritual discipline, of uh, trying to grab hold of the meanings and find the best ways to understand uh, those meanings. A couple of theological words that, uh, I don't know, t- t- I guess I ask for a better definition of, and I think uh, many people need, uh, is justification and sanctification. And I think often we tend to merge the two and we're not quite clear how the, what the difference is. Uh, could you clarify mm-hmm. that a little bit? Well, that's certainly that connection between justification and sanctification has been an issue down through the history of the church, trying to say, how do we best understand this? I mean, the most important thing is to remember is Christ is the one who justifies and Christ is the one who has our sanctification for us as well, worked out in us by the Spirit. So they both have to do with Christ. You can't understand either of them. And they both align, cohere, and have their reality in Christ. And this is what Paul reminds us of in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He is, Christ is, our sanctification as well. So, in Christ, you cannot separate them out. They are true in the one person. So, they're not really two different things. They're trying to describe two aspects of one thing that Christ gives us. So, how do we understand the distinction now that we've grasped that they're together? They can't be separated. Uh, They are one in Christ. Uh, I, I think a helpful way to think about it is To say that we are justified means we are put right in right relationship with God. And it initiates, as it were, the Christian life when we realize that, that we have been made right with God. And we have, some people say, talk about a right standing, a right identity. We belong to Christ. All of what we are, all of what we will be, all of what we have been, that all belongs uh, to Christ. So that's our essential identity, the beginning point. That's justification. Sanctification is just living that out step by step, day by day, growing up into the truth and reality of we belong to Christ, all that we are. So now that begins to take shape in our lives from one degree to another so that we grow up into Christ individually and together as a body uh, of Christ. So sanctification is the unfolding process 
uh, of our being made right in a right relationship with Christ. So it is a fellowship and communion. Sanctification is a fellowship and communion ongoing. Justification, the starting point. Sanctification, the unfolding of that relationship. It's fruit, it's bearing fruit uh, that way. So there's, you know, a starting point, but then there's also a continuation. Uh, And that seems to me to be at least one way to talk about, you know, how you can make a little bit of difference between justification and sanctification, but both accomplished in Christ and by Christ for us. I was wondering if it might be accurate to say that sanctification is a change of label, uh, and or sorry, justification is a change of label. Sanctification is simply the working it out of making that label true, uh, to, that we are being like Christ and not just say that we are like Christ. Well, certainly it would be, but I wouldn't want to say uh, that justification is just a label. It's a reality in which we now share. In other words, Christ has completed his work for us. He's reconciled the world to himself in Christ. God is for us in Christ. And uh, I come to a moment, though, when I, by the power of the Spirit, are given the gift of appreciating that accomplished work. Christ is my Lord. Christ is my Savior. I belong to him totally and completely, and that is a good thing that I receive and repent of anything else it doesn't belong there. Um, so it's a reality as compared to, because we could take the idea of a label very superficially. And I think, no, there's, I belong to Christ. That's reality. He belongs to me. I belong to him. Okay, now. And uh, so there's a, an entire relationship that's there, that's established. Now I do live it out and live up into it. So there is a dynamic. But the dynamic is a reality that's there. Uh, it's, you know, it's like gravity is on. I live in that reality. Gravity's on most of the day. Uh, now I can go with it. I can do things, you see, that uh, agree with the fact that there's gravity. Or I can do crazy things or dangerous things like jump out of a 10-story building, you see, that um, don't go along and don't recognize the truth of gravity. But gravity's on whether I resist it uh, or whether I go with it. Um, So there is a reality there of uh, who Christ is uh, for us. And then we recognize it, and uh, we can say, as I'm recognizing my justification in Christ, but then we live in it and live it out and grow up into it. And that is a, a dynamic, growing relationship where I become shaped and conformed to Christ, in and as Christ continues to give us himself. You talk about how we are shaped to conform to Christ. Uh, it reminded me of the phrase, what would Jesus do? Is, is this an accurate description of the way we are to live, the thinking, what would Jesus do? Yes, people are interested in, and recognizes that someone who calls themselves by Christ must somehow be related to him and recognizable. And I'm not sure that's the most helpful way to talk about it, though. Uh, for two things is, it kind of sounds like Jesus isn't doing anything anymore. You know, what would Jesus do if he were here? Well, we've forgotten, if we're thinking about it that way, uh, we've forgotten is that Jesus continues to minister. Um, he is living, alive, and reigning, and continues to intercede for us. So Jesus is still continuing his ministry of drawing people to him, that they might know God, worship God, 
and serve others in his name. So Jesus is still doing things. Um, and, and it's not just us doing it. You see, that paradigm is Jesus isn't doing anything, so I've got to do something for him. So you can get into that. Well, then notice everything's thrown back on you yourself. Because Jesus made it possible, all you have to do is make it actual and real. That is a huge burden and leads to burnout in ministry, as I was speaking to before. Wouldn't the picture be better and more accurate is, uh, the question is, what is Jesus doing now, today, by the Spirit, and how can I get involved? But that wouldn't fit on a bracelet. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But I think the better question would be, what is Jesus doing, and how can I get involved? or participate, instead of thinking Jesus isn't doing anything, so I have to do it for him or instead of him. That's the road to burnout in the Christian life, and especially in Christian ministry. So you're saying that Jesus is living in us, uh, to use another expression. Uh, But we're also involved, too. Uh, How is Jesus motivating us to do these things that we know we should be doing. Well, as we see what Jesus is doing, and here it takes a very in-depth grasp of who Jesus is, which is one of the points of theology, is combing through Scripture and finding different ways of talking about who Jesus is. It gets down to the bottom of what his heart is, what his mind is, what his purpose is, what his ways are. And as we see who he is, and yes, what he's done for us, but is doing through us, as we see really who he is, then we want to be with him. And obedience then really is a fellowship with Christ so that as I see the things he's doing, I want to do those things. I want to get involved. Or as I uh, hear about the things that he has no interest in, well, I don't want to be involved in those things because he's not there and he's not doing that. So that the whole of Christian life is fellowship with Christ. Our obedience is getting involved in the things he's doing and in the ways he's doing. So if Jesus is concerned uh, about the poor, I am because I want to be where Jesus is and involved in the things he's doing. If he's bringing people to repentance and faith and hope in God, I want to be involved in those things because those are the things he's doing. And God graciously can figure out ways for me to get involved which is even more amazing, he's actually got things for me to do that uh, point to who he is and what he's up to. So it's only as we know profoundly who Jesus is, see his heart, his mind, his purposes, his aims, his ends, as we grasp that, that's what draws us out of ourselves uh, to get involved in the things he's doing. But without this grasp of who he is, you see, and just a list of things he does doesn't really tell us that much. Um, It's got to be who he is, because this is what Paul calls the obedience of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very important. I used to think obedience was one thing, and faith was another, separate. Rather, no, the Bible puts it together here. uh, In Paul, you can find it in Romans chapter 1, the last chapter 16. uh, And also, for instance, in the book of Hebrews, they obeyed everyone, Moses, Abraham. They all obeyed by faith. That is, they trusted in what God was presently and currently doing by his Spirit and trusted that God would show them ways of getting involved in those very things. Well, as a Christian, why would you want to be involved in anything else? You see? It's that sense of privilege, of joy, of freedom, 
And you, you mean me? I can get involved in what you are doing? Wow. That's what I want. So there's a sense of attraction there. Uh, what about for the people who, I guess, don't find that as attractive? Uh, what can we say to them? I would say usually, they, like for instance, evangelism. I think a lot of people don't share their faith because they don't see very deeply into who Jesus is. So, uh, and you see, this the whole of Scripture is, is built like this is that the reason we do what we do is because of who God is and what he's doing. Um, So, for instance, let's take the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to obey. You see, well, why do we do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? Well, we could dream up all kinds of things about why we should do it, and, and pastors may do this. How can I motivate my people to do what they're supposed to do for the Lord. Because he tells us to. Yes, and if they don't, then just speak louder, right? And be more insistent. Or you can begin to guilt, heap guilt and fear and anxiety. But see, Jesus, he tells us why. He says, because I am with you always. So why can we go out into the world? Because Jesus is going to be with us always, no matter where we are. So if I'm going to go out somewhere into the world... To obey the Great Commission by faith is to count on Jesus being with us always. And there's another part uh, to depend upon there to move us to do the Great Commission is uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So what does that mean in terms of the Great Commission? It means anywhere you go in the world, in fact, anywhere you go out of the world in the heavens, Jesus' authority is actually operating there already. He is the cosmic Lord. So that you can't go anywhere in the world and not find his authority already operating there. So then going out, you see Jesus saying is, go out because I will be with you and because all authority everywhere now is mine. Those are the motives, you see, to go out, to trust Christ to be with you and to be exercising his authority, those are the reasons to go out. Those are the reasons to be moved. So it's, it's not just his authority over us, but his authority over the world. Yes. That we get to participate in. Right. His purpose is being, being worked out. Another thing you seem to be saying is that as we under, see God more clearly, as we understand what he's like, it, it changes... Uh, what we want to do. Uh, is, is he changing our identity, our, you know, our understanding of what a human is? Uh, yes, I do. I, a human, of course, we find this first in Jesus, is his humanity is fully what it is because of his union and communion with the Father and the Spirit. That's what we see in him. To be a human being is to be in right relationship with God so that everything he gives us we receive. And then we reflect that back. But, but wait, my, my neighbor has nothing to do with Christ. Isn't, isn't he a human? Yes, that's because, not necessarily because he has something to do with Christ or doesn't have anything to do with Christ. It's because Christ has everything to do with him and he may not even know it. And that is the glory of it is you are created through Christ, you are created for Christ, and Christ has a, a uh, destiny for you in Christ. This is who he is. Here, let me tell you and show you 
the particulars of his life as we find it in the Gospels. So you see, this is the great good news is that God has to do with us way before we have to do with him. I'm thinking of my neighbor again. Uh, I'm asking him to give up his life, his, uh, you know, his, his interest in his job, for example, mm. that he's doing very well in the business world, even in a difficult economy. And I'm saying, that's not who you are. That's not important. And, and how is he going to accept that kind of message? Well, it depends upon, I mean, we try to come along, God is working in his life. Now, you may know a little bit about it, or you may know very little about it. But part of it is to get to know people and to see if you can't find little signs and telltale signals of God's working in their life. So he may be look satisfied, but there may be something in which he realizes is in this economy. He might not uh, uh, be wise for him to put all his eggs in one basket. That is, to have his entire identity, his sense of self, be merely or essentially uh, success in business, or even today just surviving in business. Um, so there may be little inklings where there's got to be something more. I've created, I was created uh, for something more than this. What is it? So we come alongside a person to try to identify the work of God in their lives, uh, even sometimes not recognized by them, and then as talk to them and interact with them about taking the next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be a small step or a large step um, for them. But uh, we, that's really what we're, what we're doing in sharing Christ with people. Expect to find Christ involved in their life. See where that is and see if there isn't some way uh, that you can encourage them to take another step. It might be a small step. You might just end up saying as well, I'll pray for you. And as they admit that's a good thing, and they let you do it. That may be the little little step uh, for them. Or it might be, you know, you really ought to get to know Jesus, since, you know, you belong to him, you know. Uh, and he's got some, some great things planned for you. So, you know, um, why don't we get together and look at a chapter uh, in the life of Christ? I think you'll be amazed at what you find there about who he is and what he's up to. I think in case of in the case of this particular individual I'm thinking of, he has difficulty in relationships. Uh, he's mm. kind of abrupt, which makes him successful in business, mm. but it also leads to some frustrations. Yes. And I'm wondering how might that be an avenue for leading to something more spiritual? Do you have any ideas on that? You, you know, you really have to know the individual like you do and I don't. Um, but uh, coming alongside people, it's, it is a custom job. God's work in every individual is unique uh, to do that. But part of it, it would be to you know, ask questions, ask good questions about what he's willing to talk about. Well, tell me about that, and how's it going? And uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about? Do you, are you hopeful that it will improve? Do you think it's going to get worse? Um, and sometimes you can ask, and where do you think God fits into all this? Um, if at all. and But part of it is, as he's loved, I mean, we learn to love by the ways we're loved, first of all, by God. If he's going to change his relationship, uh, the deepest thing that could happen is for him to grasp God's love for him, this unconditional, free, 
and joyful uh, blessing of God upon him. And that's what will free him up from this being wound up and con- perhaps too controlling or authoritative or abrupt, as, is that he thinks he has to be in charge all the time. Whether by coming under the lordship of Christ, you realize there's someone greater than yourself who is kind of the manager. And sometimes I put it this way, and this might appeal to somebody, is once you get to know Jesus, who else would you want to manage your life? Yourself, even, or him? So another way to talk about the Christian life is coming under new management. Mm-hmm. That would be an effective avenue for a business person. Oh, good. Yeah, that's an idea to stimulate some thought. I like the idea of questions, too, that mm. might help the person put in their own words whatever frustrations they might have. Uh, and then I could help them see that there's a bigger vision, mm-hmm. a bigger picture involved. Mm-hmm. As you say, uh, that they already belong to Christ. I'm not sure that they might, they might not like that idea at first. Well, that's right. Uh, um, you know, it's as if people are resisting the Spirit of God, it can be the stench of death, Paul says. But if the Spirit of God is moving and they're uh, uh, submitting to that, surrendering to that, then it can sound like really great news to them. Um, so, yes, as we meet people, sometimes they're resisting, sometimes uh, they're giving in to God. And you never know until you actually get there at any one moment. Um, but yes, it it can, as it were, cut both ways. If they re- are resisting, they they may find our our message uh, also needs to be resisted. But even in offering that, God is attempting to overcome their resistance. And it helps us to know that Christ's all authority has been given to Christ. That person, my neighbor is under his authority. Yes. And if he rejects my message, it's not about me. Uh, that takes some pressure off. <laughs> yes. No, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. And that's uh, who they need to get to know. Um, I think this is more important. People need to know more about who God is in Christ and they know what to do for him. Um, so the character of God, the purposes of God, the heart of God, both the unbelieving person needs to know that much more profoundly, but also in the Christian life is nothing but going more and more deeper into the heart of God. So in some ways, the unbeliever and the Christian are moving in the same directions, uh, need to move in the same direction. Um, and so even though, as it were, the unbeliever is behind on, on the road, we're all going in the same direction. We need to trust God on the basis of who he actually really is and what he's done for us. And the better we see that, the, the more motivating or, uh, it draws us toward what he's doing in our lives. It, it, it does. Uh, I, I think about it in, in this way, is th- there can be you know, two ways uh, to motivate people. But think about this. Think if you were in an enclosed room that had all the windows shut and curtains over the windows and the door bolted shut. Uh, and, you know, perhaps the lights can be on inside, but someone says now to the people inside, now look, there's a sunset out there. It's really gorgeous. It's really beautiful. Trust me. 
Um, and on the count of three, I want you to really enjoy that sunset. Ready? Now, if you don't, you're going to be very disappointing. You may even disappoint God if you don't enjoy that sunset out there. On the, and someone says, "Is well, can't we open the windows? No. No, no. We just have to be obedient here uh, to do this. On the count of three, I want you to enjoy that sunset as greatly as you can. Because if you don't, something disastrous can be happen. All right? One, two, three. Oh, yes. I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> you see, well, that's silly. Well, oddly enough, I think a lot of times by just repeating as were the commands or what God wants to do or how, even how to live the Christian life, just telling people that, and if they don't get it the first time, telling it louder and more insistently, or increasing the threats. If you don't, what all the disasters, this and that and the other. Whereas, if they're really going to enjoy that sunset, what needs to happen? It's simple, isn't it? Open the window. Go out. And what will happen is the sunset itself draws out their appreciation and enjoyment. And so... This is how God draws out our response, all our response, including our obedience, our worship, our prayer, everything that we are, is drawn out. But we have to not just tell people what to do. They have to see the nature of who God is, more beautiful than a sunset. And as that draws us out, then that draws the right response out uh, from us. So the Christian life and Christian obedience and even our evangelists, not to cram people and pressurize them off of just a kind of a list of things that they must do or threats, uh, but to show them the sunset. And this is, I think, one of the main challenges of Christian preaching. Preaching needs to be about God, who he is, what he's done, what God is doing even you know, today, care uh, of the same mission and ministry that Jesus had. What is God doing and as we tell people that, it, God will draw people to participating in that life he has for them. But sometimes we don't trust that. We don't trust that the sunset's actually going to draw the response out. So we close the windows, we close the doors, we turn off the lights, and then we tell people, you really need to do this. And I think that's backwards, and it's not how Scripture itself works. It shows us God, and then it says, and here's the life that comes in response to it. You've been watching You're Included, a production of Grace Communion International.